You're listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. Today's guest is Zach. <laughs> like, I'm like, I, I got your name here. I'm like, I don't know what to go with first. Uh, do I go with your name or your your handle? But uh, Zach Sewa, we're going to be talking about uh, discovering new music on social media. Why don't we just start, though, with your, your screen name? Uh, because right before we hit record, I asked you about it because it it always threw me off. And I always wondered how you actually said it correctly. Yeah, say what? Just like, um, uh, just like, say what? But, you know, <laughs> I should probably like really say my name at the beginning of videos more. That's, but it was just one of those things that it was like my gamer tag. And I just thought like, and I just didn't really put any thought into it when I started making content and then it just kind of grew. So it, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I'm fine with it. You can call me Zach. So. I'll call you Zach. I've been saying <laughs> Siwa for the last year or so. So I've been yeah. saying it wrong. Good to have you on and uh, know that how to actually say it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it's good to meet you too. Well, thanks for joining, man. Uh, of course, you know, I found you about a year ago. You started popping up in my TikTok feed and started following you. And, and of course, I've loved your content. Uh, you post a lot of band recommendations, you know, and stuff like that. What kind of got you into all of that? For band recommendation stuff or just like the emo? Just kind of content in general. Content was I was... I was in a few bands that had gotten to like a certain point and then we'd kind of break up and like the last one I'd been touring in pretty heavily and we broke up kind of right before COVID started. And so then I started, um, I just kind of started realizing that like touring wasn't a really good like way to build a small band and especially during COVID when there weren't live shows happening. So I just started posting content on TikTok and I think I think it just took a while to it, it was like I just kind of was like throwing stuff out there like doing covers or doing like some band recommendation stuff and the band recommendation stuff really just started to kind of snowball because I would get really cool recommendations from people in the comments so it was like you know there was maybe 30 or 40 bands that were newer that i was like excited about at the time but then it would just be like the more that i would post stuff the more people be like you got to check out this band you got to check out this band and it started to be like okay if i see somebody like two different people comment this that's not the band themselves in there like i'll probably check it out <laughs> and then i just started putting up submissions um, so that people could just send me stuff. And so between that and just like friends that I made, um, that's like, it's, it, there's so much music that I get sent that it's like, there's actually too much for me to listen to. So I, I do feel bad if, if I don't, if I haven't checked out your band yet, I probably will at some point. Do you have a way of filtering out bands? Um, no, not really. I guess. I'll, um, I'll try to listen to everything that people send me, but if I just don't get to it, I think the main thing for me with filtering out if I'm going to recommend a band or not is are they authentic and like, are they trying to like catch a wave right now or are they um, trying to do their own thing and are they like committed to like 
like whatever their artistic vision is instead of trying to just like kind of, you know, like, I don't want to say like some industry plant type stuff because I don't, I think it's just like, I just hate that kind of, that way that people, that certain bands will imitate something so that they can, um, so that they can like latch onto a scene or, or whatever. Yeah. You know? And there's definitely bands that are trying to fake it because something's popular right now, but uh, it's pretty easy. I feel like to sort through those bands when you're really a big fan of, especially like this type of music, when you're a big fan of pop punk and emo music and you kind of grew up on it, you can sort of almost hear who's trying to catch the wave and who's genuinely into it. Yeah. Um, just based on their inspiration and based on their sound. I mean, it, it's pretty obvious. I mean, but then at the same time, there could just be new artists that are sort of influenced by the newer bands or the newer later influences you never know uh there was the whole emo rap thing as well that kind of got really popular and and i find that started that sort of started to influence a lot of the newer pop punk artists that well maybe they're influenced by like a juice world but not necessarily a a blink 182 but they're just kind of saying blink 182 because they know that's sort of like the old popular pop punk group right Right. Yeah. And like, I do think that like, even if you're just like mildly into pop punk, like Blink-182 is probably some type of influence for you for sure. But I, I think the thing is, it's just like, I don't like seeing people, especially in like emo, like trend topping, because it's never supposed to have been about getting as big as possible. But like, at the same time, I do want to support these bands and like kind of somewhat be a voice for some of these smaller bands that nobody's really talking about yet or making great music. Because I think as someone who's played in bands and stuff myself, nobody was doing that for me. So if I was like, why not? I just do that for them. And it like, and it all just like, I think the bigger the emo scene is the better it's going to be, but I also don't want to see it treated like a fad or something like that, I guess is kind of what I was trying to get at. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a fine line between sort of like gatekeeping and uh, making sure that things stay authentic. I, I think that that's a good sort of line to tread. For sure. And I think that there's there is like a, a very nice movement of um, I think people are starting to care less about real emo and fake emo, which I think is a good thing. I think it's it's a real problem for certain people to gatekeep out like the whole elder emo phase of emo or like that whole era, because I, I think it's keeping those older elder emos from listening to some of these new bands because they're like, sometimes that scene will like the younger DIY scene will actively try to exclude them. But also like at the same time, I get it because some elder emos don't really care about new music at all. They're kind of in it for the nostalgia, which is cool too. You know, you should like what you like. Yeah, I'm definitely in that elder emo camp of being sort of like growing up with with all of that. And that was sort of my era of everything that I went through uh, and where it kind of started. But at the same time, evolving and listening to all the newer stuff is definitely one of those things that I absolutely love and kind of 
you know, you kind of also think that some people went along with you and just continued evolving with it and listening to the newer stuff. Um, but that's not necessarily the case. I know I've definitely grown uh, a following of people that are more into the millennial nostalgia, elder emo stuff, but I'm kind of in that camp too, where I'm also looking to try to expand into that newer stuff because I also love all of that stuff. The cool thing that I love about emo is that it's just evolved so well, you know, and yeah. and I've always kind of been of the mentality where I don't like to gatekeep because I know how important emo was to me in that point in time of my life growing up uh, sure. and and uh, how it helped me through some pretty dark times as well, where I'm kind of like, well, if we gatekeep, we potentially stop some other kid that might need that music and relate to that music and, and feel it from finding that thing and finding that thing that helps them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's absolute cap to say that like anybody who's into emo was probably into blink 182 fallout boy, my chemical romance and panic at the disco as some type of bridge thing. Like yeah. even if you're the coolest DIY scene circuit, you were probably definitely going to some pierce the veil show in junior high or something like that. So like, don't give me that. Like it's fake emo. Cause it probably got you in to the genre in the first place. But like, yeah, I feel the same way. I, I think I, I feel very indebted to emo for for helping me especially through some of those like awkward teen years that were um hard for me of just like probably anybody that was into emo <laughs> like i don't think you just fall backwards into that um but yeah you know i saw you post about that um fiddlehead record being one of your favorites yeah I it was jammed. a great record that i was like in like i think in like the top one percent of fiddlehead listeners this year because i would jam that record like almost every day for like two months at work just being like screw it like let's just we're gonna go we're gonna grind through this to some fiddlehead that shit that gets me hyped yeah it's it reminds me of listening to more of the post-hardcore emo in high school because yeah. i was like kind of one of those guys too where i felt like i sort of hopped between groups or cliques or there wasn't really one that like you know i, I would go back to the emo kids because i feel like the emo kids sort of accepted me the most mm -hmm. but i would hang out with like the punk kids and the metalheads and i was listening right. to sort of all all sorts of stuff throughout high school and uh the post-hardcore emo was definitely one of my more favorite genres along with the popular stuff as well so when i threw on that fiddlehead record i was like this is yeah. good and just like could not stop and i right. would like put it down for a little while and listen to some other stuff and then it was like oh what do i want to listen to today and it would be there on my recently listened i'm like Hell yeah, we're going back to Fiddlehead again. <laughs> I know. It's like there's just never a bad time to listen to that record, especially if you are like trying to like accomplish something, like get something done for, it for whatever reason. It's such an up. easy listen too. Like it's it's not like a super long record. It's just like all the songs slept. Do well, you have a record that really stuck out to you <clears> that you listened to the most? Like what was your most listened to record this year? Um, Glockamora Just Married. Um, nice yeah uh well definitely that was like another record that's very much like fiddlehead where it's just like i was just always in the mood to listen to it i was working a lot i work um one of my jobs is i work at um red rocks as a parking supervisor 
there it's uh i don't know if you know what red rocks is but it's like a music venue no. in in denver um it's basically like this giant um it's like a ten thousand cap music venue it's usually ranked like in the top one or two by rolling stone in the united states now but, now um, you're saying that i feel like i'm getting these memories of like even just looking at tour posters and just kind of like looking for the toronto date and just seeing the denver and red rocks i feel like yeah. it's one that pops up every now and then yeah so but like i do parking out there because it's basically a venue that's on a mountain it what is a mountain basically and um and like so they have all these dirt lots and stuff so like weren't like i'm the supervisor for parking so like i'll be like out there parking cars and listening to like punk and i don't know something about hating 30 just like i feel like my appetite for punk rock went up like tenfold for i don't know what it is i don't know why I'm so much more into punk rock once I hit 30, but it's like something about that, that vibe is just like, yeah. Is there like a, an era of punk? Are you listening to the newer stuff? Listen to some of the older stuff? Mostly Cause I'm like also the same stuff. as you. Mostly like newer stuff for me, like military gun. They put out a great record. Fiddlehead. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of title fights. First record shed. That was like that also record. like in my top five. People need to understand that shed is the one. And like Shed I mean, is for- actually the one that got me into title fights yeah. because I, I people started recommending me like floral green and more of their like mm-hmm. shoegazy stuff. And at first it was kind of like, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And then I went back and I listened to to Shed and I was like, this album rips. And yeah. then it's sort of like at, it, I went through the progressions of title fight. And now like I love the shoegazy stuff, but it, yeah. I needed the heavier punky stuff to get me into them. Yeah, for sure. That was definitely like in my top. So I don't know. I listen to a lot of punk. Oh, you know who else I listen to a lot of? That's actually an older band, but they put out an awesome record this year. Is um, Sam I Am? Have you ever listened to them? No, they're I from, haven't. Um, they're from like New Jersey. Like their first record came out in like '94 or something like that. They're they're definitely like one of those bands that's been around, or maybe '92, something like that. But they were kind of in that early like kind of like jawbreaker wave of emo like back in the day and then um but yeah their record definitely check that out if you like the fiddlehead record it's similar like kind of like sophisticated melodic punk where it's got like really cool like it's it's not simple music i guess i should say and like it's got like really good hooks but it still has that kind of punk energy to it Okay, sweet. I'll definitely go and check that out. I don't know what it is about New Jersey, but they just make such great music over there. Yeah. <laughs> They're probably all yeah, just sad that, that they that live whole, in New Jersey. That whole <laughs> East Coast sector, I'm always so jealous. My brother lives in Brooklyn, and like I'm just always so jealous of like the people who grew up in that New Jersey, New York scene because that was like Mecca when we were kids, like with um, like Thursday, Saves the Day, Taking Back Sunday, and Brand New, especially like brand new and taking back Sunday North star and long Island up there. That was like that. That was like where I wanted to be, but I grew up in Kansas city. So, which is about as far as you can get from that type of scene. So you're in a band now, uh, astral planes. Did that come? How did that come to be? That was, it started out as a side project while I was playing in like more of like a metal band called the ugly. Actually, I'm wearing an ugly shirt today, but, um, I, and I just had like always kind of had these other songs and I just wanted to do something that was just very personal and intimate. And it kind of, I just 
it was kind of like a collective at first of where I had like different like members coming in and out. And um, I dropped a record or an EP over COVID. And I think that this might have been a kind of a somewhat of a catalyst for get starting to do content. Like I started doing content so that I could promote astral planes. And then I got so into making content that I like just didn't really do very much with it. And I got to this certain point of where I got a little bit burnt out, maybe like nine months ago. And I was like, you know, I've been, I wanted to do this music thing and I just spent all my time doing content and like building that up and kind of chasing that dragon or whatever of being an influencer. And, and I kind of realized like, I, well, if I'm not going to do this stuff now, then I probably never will. And I had the members of the band and I was just like, Hey guys, let's, let's go make a record. And we had some cool, another thing that was like, we had some really cool opportunities. Like we played with, um, with Ben quad and oh, um, this They're band great. for us. Yeah. And then, uh, we actually just played with, um, awake, but still in bed a few weeks ago. It's like another really cool, like fifth wave emo band. But, um, but yeah, so we went to the studio and we made a record and we're like putting out singles now. And it's, it's actually really exciting because the first single like did way better than I thought it would. Um, so do you think that's yeah. because of your following and being able to promote that on social media? Yeah, I do. Like, I, I definitely think that that's, that like plays into it. Um, and then like, we also, I think, I think that that initial push helped and like, I'm obviously going to keep promoting it and stuff. I don't want anybody to think just like for the record that I'm quitting making content. I'm not going to quit making content to just do band shit, but like I am like very serious about doing the band stuff as, as well. Um, but we actually got added to like a bunch of playlists and like got pushed out to like a lot of like release radar stuff and like, oh, awesome. Yeah. So definitely like having, and like, I didn't really submit for any playlists. I didn't, I only posted about it on like my TikTok. So, um, it, it's pretty organic, which is really cool. But we also kind of like, it's one of those things of where we made a full length and we're going to slowly drop songs off of it because I just, I don't want to put out the record and then have it get like one little like bump and then wait like and then just kind of I don't know. We live in such like a short attention span like society that that it can I, I just don't want people like to just drop something and then have people kind of move on from it within a few months. Yeah, just sort of be a flash in the pan type moment. Yeah. And yeah, and exactly. I mean you know you took this break from social media, started focusing on the band. I wouldn't even say take a break, but I just wasn't know, posting start, that much. Yeah. Yeah. You were prioritizing the band. And I mean, like, I think I, I've talked about it on a past episode where, you know, a lot of us feel like we're time poor between making content, um, doing music, working our day jobs. Like just have you sort of found that sweet spot now between making content, music and work? No, <laughs> I, I wish I, I wish I could say that I had, I'm, it's definitely like one of those things of where I need to, I want to make more content and I want to, um, do more in depth stuff. I used to do like a lot more like documentary style stuff. Um, I've, I've got a couple projects for that planned. Um, 
and and I definitely like want to continue. I'm gonna I'm gonna put out some like end of the year, best of the year um, stuff here coming up. But um, like, no, not really. Like my my time, my it's just it's kind of like one of those things of where like it's so hard to do each one of those things. Well, like obviously I have to go to work and I have to perform there to keep my job. But like, like with content and band stuff, it's like, I have to be so all in on either one at any given time. Luckily we're done recording and we're just kind of in the mixing phase right now for that. And so I'm making content for the band. That's like, we have a music video coming out here in like, the next couple weeks and we have a couple really cool covers like some live stuff but it's hard to be able to completely focus your energy on that um on content when you're trying to also do something else it's like i've got like two different switches of brain which is like content creator mode and then musician mode i want to talk about like the waves of emo do you have a favorite wave no no, no, not really. I think that they're all special, like in their own way. And people don't really like the the cool thing about emo and like I think what people need to understand is like that the reason that the waves change so much is because generally the bands break up or they change their sound. So like a lot of a lot of bands will start out as an emo band and then become like an indie pop band. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. Or like a pop rock band if you're like fallout boy Mm -hmm. you know and like there's nothing wrong with that i like i think being a little older when i got into the first and second waves has been really cool and like definitely expanded some of my music taste i love obviously i love like the the third wave because that's what i grew up with that's like what was like really meant a lot to me at the time and um and i think got me really curious and um there's definitely some like those bands i i would say are like probably the most like important to me like the big like the bigger personal bands for me like deer in the headlights or Weatherbox, say anything's first record bright eyes um mm-hmm. although some people might give me shit for saying bright eyes is emo but i don't want to hear it have you seen that guy's haircut in 2003 (laughs) (laughs) i feel like people will give you shit for any band when you say that they're emo the second you say a band is emo it's like immediately that becomes a debate and it's like why are we debating this (laughs) well and now it's starting to get to this point of where we've started to like hyper like categorize um like genres now where Mm -hmm. it's like there's Midwest emo and Southwest emo and like I think I heard one was like POV emo was like oh. one of the ones that got put up for the Spotify rap <laughs> and like it's just it's it's so goofy because it's like to me it's all just it's all emo like emo isn't I don't really think emo is like as much of a genre as more of it's it's a scene it's it's like like about the collective of all of these local scenes that are making emotional music. That's like maybe like somewhat brutally honest and like a form of like raw expression. And um, I think people get too caught up on like, what are the, well, they're not playing in American football tuning. So it obviously can't be Midwest emo. And, <laughs> and here's another thing about like the waves of, 
Emo, I hope I'm not getting on a rant here, but I am. Uh, <laughs> I like the rant. But like, but so like what people I think I've meant to make a video about this a few times, but like every great emo band, like the genre defining emo bands, all say they are not emo. All right. A hundred percent. Ian Ian Mackay, um, the who owned Discord Records, which was like the first first wave emo um beginning right he produced rights of springs record he had his own band uh embrace and basically signed all and released all these other bands like gray matter and and stuff back in that first wave he said because you know uh emo comes from like the word emo comes from emo core which is um thrasher said it in a magazine or in an article like thrasher the skate magazine Mm -hmm. and when he heard that there's literally a quote of him that you can find on YouTube where he's like emo core. That's the like that's like the, the fucking stupidest, stupidest name I've, I've ever, ever heard, heard or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> he said and he said as if hardcore wasn't emotional enough already. Is <laughs> and so like you look at them, all right. So then like who's probably like the biggest band of like that second wave? Well, like the two biggest ones, definitely I would consider to be the most influential is probably the get up kids. Matt Pryor said it was dumb as hell. Um, and like the get up kids, they influenced fallout boy and taking back Sunday and all these bands. And he's, he's like, it's, it's dumb. It doesn't like, we're not an emo band. We're a punk rock band. Mm-hmm. And then American football. Um, what's his name? It's not Tim. Wait, Tim's his brother, but you know, like the guy who was in cap and jazz too, the, the singer for American football. I can't think of what his name is right now, but he said, he's like, they all said in American football word, we were never trying to be an emo band. We were trying to do something as far away from that as possible. And if you listen to our music, it's pretty indie. Now I think retroactively it's emo because he came from that scene. And then like now all of these emo bands have been influenced by it. But then, and then you go to the third wave and it's like MCR. Like they've always said that they're not an emo band, but come on, man. Jeff yeah, Rickley from real. Thursday produced your first album. <laughs> all right. You were on eyeball records. Like you can't tell me that that first album at least is not emo. Immediately when people start saying MCR is not emo, I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. You're one of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, and like, why, why can't they be both things? Like I, I would definitely consider the black parade to be more of a, um, like a classic rock record but then there's like that one song it's like wolves or something like that wolves at the throne or something i don't know but that song is post hard super post hardcore and it's like very like pierce the veil ish type sounds and so like to me it all kind of plays into to the same thing i think emo is just like like it's all just post hardcore like yeah. <laughs> some people try to say that, that like, but it really is. I mean, like literally emo core came from the hardcore scene and then like, so it's just all kind of like, so that's really what we should be calling all of this music. It should all be post hardcore. <laughs> I, I like the argument. I also find that uh, like you probably grew up around the same time as I did. I mean, I'm in my sure. early thirties. Yeah. I assume you're around the same age. You mentioned, yep. uh, you know, how you got a lot more into punk being in your thirties. Yeah. But uh I find that also growing up, the word emo was a bad word, you know, like it was, it was an insult. So even as a fan of the music, it, it, 
when someone would call me emo, it was like you'd get defensive. Back would go up against. Well, it's like I'm not fucking emo. I'm <laughs> into punk, or I'm into hardcore, or I'm into you know whatever. Uh, but it was never oh I'm emo because. You know, you'd have kids in the hallways in high school saying, oh, you fucking emo kid with your hair and, you know. Um, yeah. So, so because it was such an insult, I don't think anyone wanted to be classified as emo. And it almost feels like if you said that you were emo, you were a poser. Yeah, you know, that's a really interesting thought because now that you say that, I can remember this kind of like – being in junior high, being like, yeah, we're going to the emo shows and like we're into emo bands to it kind of like quickly moving on to like, no, we're like scene kids. Like yeah. we're in the scene because yeah. that meant like that you were going to shows and you were like involved with all these bands. And obviously like screaming became way more prevalent in the scene, like around that era too. But that is a really interesting thought because yeah, we did kind of move on from that label as quickly as we could even though like i would still think like yeah i like emo bands like yeah you you knew that you liked emo bands but you were never emo because if you said you were emo you were a poser that was at least the very much the way that it was back then i mean we were also all kids as teenagers you know you do funny things and say and feel different things but now i feel like once i hit my 30s that was sort of where i was like no, I I like emo bands, like I like emo music and I'm into it all. And I feel like that's where the newer generation and, and the fourth and fifth wave kind of, I feel like they got rid of that sort of uh, stigma that was kind of around emo music, right? Like listening to something like Pool Kids or Hot Mulligan or Spanish Love Songs, like it's all emo music, but it, it there's no sort of negative connotation between saying I, uh, there's no negative connotation of saying I like these bands and these bands are emo bands. So I like emo music. Whereas I feel like back then if you're like, Oh, I like my chemical romance. So I'm emo or I like emo music. It was very much like, Oh, emo kid, go slit your wrists and cry in a corner. Yeah. I think, are you one of those, would you consider yourself as like one of those people who, like, you know how they have, like, those memes that are, like, nobody talks about the middle phase where you tried to be normal and then went back. <laughs> are you, like, one of those people? Or I was de- you- So, I, yeah, probably. Because, I, I mean, throughout high school, I was really heavy into emo music. But there was, like, a pipeline for me, right? Like, I kind of went from uh, Avril Lavigne into Metallica into Sex Pistols and discovering all, like, punk and oi punk and getting really heavy into that. And then, uh, and like it really into grunge and 90s alternative. Like it was just sort of like that 13, 14 years old. I was kind of discovering everything and I was just really liking anything that was sort of heavy or angry. And, and I liked it all. And then I got a, a record. I got In Love and Death by The Used. Yeah. And I, that was sort of the one that really pushed me over the edge. And it was like, oh, okay, cool. Like I like this band and they're an emo band. And then a friend handed me, uh, the Chiodos record, uh, All's Well, It Ends Well. And that was really what got me into like that post-hardcore emo scream. I always call it like the emo scream because yeah. it was the post-hardcore scream. It wasn't like Linkin Park, you know, crawling or one step closer. It was the emo scream. And then it was just sort of like um, it was a, a cannonball. It was a snowball from there. And then when I graduated high school, that was when I kind of like shaved my head and got more into like the indie alternative music. 
and a lot more into like the Gaslight Anthem and like those right. types of punk bands. Um, and then I fell right back into it all over again. And it was just kind of like, you know, you just kind of find yourself going back into it. I definitely ha- also had a very heavy like emo rap phase in like 2015, 2016. Like nice. really loved like Lil Peep and Juice World and uh, X and like all of those guys. I was just like, I was really into and, and I, I'm going to make the argument right here. I think that emo rap is also emo and, and real emo. It's just a different part of the big overall emo genre. For for sure. I 100% agree with that. And like, you know, somebody who's actually like, I want to shout out Lil Aaron. Do you know who that is? He's, he's like one of those, he's like one of the OG um, rappers, but he's actually always kind of like followed um my stuff for like a good amount of time and he'll comment and stuff and he like um he found safe face through um through one of my videos and then went out and collabed on a song with them because he was like yeah this guy's voice is sick and like i thought that that was so cool that it's like yeah he is part of the evo state he actually does care about about like all this other stuff so shout out Aaron, you're coolest dude Uh, and a, lo- a lot of those, a lot of those guys that were into that, they were inspired by a lot of the bands that we grew up listening to, and you can hear that, like you can hear that influence in their music just because there's rap in the name, you can yeah. still hear that influence, right? And so I feel like that's enough to sort of get categorized under that big emo umbrella. Yeah, well, and, and you know, one of the first times I ever heard emo rap, like as like a term, was AP Magazine did like an interview with atmosphere which it's like atmosphere was kind of considered to be like early emo rap which i thought was really interesting and then to like i, I don't think like people realize that like emo rap does kind of go back further than like juice world and little peep and stuff mm-hmm. there 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 has been that connection to to the scene for a long time but i yeah i 100 agree with that i think that um that Honestly, and like when you think about it, emo rap kind of filled that void, I think, of emo music that was kind of going on there between like 2015 and like 2018, 2019. Like when people were kind of like there was because it was definitely felt as somebody who was touring during those years, like it was definitely felt in the scene. Like you'd see like the local scenes were like getting smaller every year. And I think like a big part of that was because there was this max exodus of millennials out of the scene who were just kind of like, uh, you know, they were going through their normal phase. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And as like, as, as I watched that happen and like, I like in terms of local scenes, COVID really rejuvenated those things. I think that people maybe started, had some time to reexamine, themselves and like definitely i think a lot of millennials went into really hard into listening to emo music for comfort i don't like for a lot of them that was like the nostalgic stuff but well, nostalgia is comfortable right and that's and true like n- that's a good point. covid rocked all of our worlds like yeah. the height of it march 2020 it just completely rocked all of us so we were looking for any sort of comfort so a lot of us were pulling up those old bands which is i think what gave the whole emo and pop punk scene especially that like elder emo scene 
that revival because of it, because people were like, I need something that is safe and familiar. And that's the music that I listened to in high school. And then the cool thing about that is that if you were going through that and you were looking for other things to make you feel good, you were looking at a lot of the newer bands and those bands ended up being another escape. I mean, I found Spanish love songs in, I think June of 2020, I saw, I was like looking for music recommendations on Reddit and uh, like a Gaslight Anthem subreddit. And they mentioned like, you know, what are some other bands that are like Gaslight Anthem? And someone mentioned Spanish love songs. Now, I don't necessarily hear that correlation uh, between Gaslight Anthem and Spanish love songs, but I'm happy that I just recognize that name because driving home from work literally that day. I had Spotify on shuffle and it was just kind of throwing some recommendations and random songs at me and losers Two by Spanish love songs. Losers two is the one. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm like, Oh, Spanish love songs. Like this is the band I saw someone talking about on Reddit today. Let's like really, you know, listen to this one. And like, I got goosebumps by like his voice, the, the first couple of lines. Uh, and I was just like, what? what is this right and immediately i took it off shuffle i went to go to their page pulled up brave faces everyone i started that album from from the start right and every single song was just hitting me like it was just one yeah. after another it was just a right hook left hook right hook left hook and then that ended up being like my favorite album of the year it's one of my favorite all-time albums now and it was just i couldn't get enough of that record and it was because of that sort of resurgence from COVID. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that's like such a perfect record for like an elder emo or like, like really just any millennial of, of kind of like we were, you know, coming out of high school in the middle of, of a recession. And then, yep. you know, like we don't need to go over the list of all the things that happened to millennials, but like, but yeah, I mean like that, that record is, and really for any like elder emos that are listening, if you haven't heard that record, you should really check it out because it is very like nice in, in terms of like, it feels like, Oh, maybe it, it has that feeling of not being alone that you felt 100%. like in a situation that, um, other, uh, that those, those albums that you used to listen to back in the day, like taking back Sunday or whatever, like it, it definitely, I, is that kind of what you're saying? There's like, that yeah, it kind of had that they kind perfectly of perfectly describe and encapsulate the millennial struggle in every single song with yeah. every single theme that in that album from start to finish is like, they touch on everything. They touch on uh, the 08 recession. They touch on, uh, yeah. you know, losing your job. They touch on feeling alone. They touch on, uh, even the politics of, you know, gun control and how things have gotten out of hand, like they touch on everything. And it was just one of those things where it was just, yeah, it, it was for me, it was the accidental pandemic album, but it's grown to be so much more because it wasn't even written or released in the pandemic. I think it came out, what, in February of 2020? Yeah. Yeah, so like right before right. shit actually hit the fan and yet yeah. it still somehow felt like they wrote that song for the pandemic with everything going on at the time. And now you can listen back to it and you can forget that the pandemic even happened if you, if you want to, but it, it, it's still relatable whether that pandemic yeah. hit or not. I don't know. That album for me is, is one of my favorite albums of all time, just because it, it has such a personal yeah, meaning and like it, like I said, it encapsulates the millennial struggle so right, well. Yeah, 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, did, did you have, well, basically to sum up the, the question that you had asked me about having that normal phase is that, yeah, I had that normal phase a little bit and things kind of circled right back and uh, getting heavily into that nostalgic music again. It, it was also a pipeline into a lot more of the newer stuff, right? Because I've always yeah. been the type of person where I'm like, I'm always looking for new music and want to listen to new music. Um, and I'm just really happy that right now we're in a time where so much amazing new music is constantly being put out. It feels like I can't keep up with it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what I was saying too. It's like, I, I really find like, especially in the last few years, I'll find like between five and 10 bands that like really that I'm like, this, this band is like, like they're they're going to do something and like that's really exciting for me to see somebody like i think i found ben quad in like 2021 and like they're literally on tour with hot mulligan now yeah you know and spanish love songs actually yeah i was at their their show recently um what a fantastic show i found it's funny because i also found out about ben quad because of that tour like i was like who's this little band with this little name at the bottom of the thing i'm like this poor band but it's such a stacked lineup of hot mulligan spanish love songs heart attack band and then this they got the little tiny uh printed i'm like who's ben quad and uh go figure i open up spotify and this was just I, I don't know. Uh, maybe the algorithm or my phone's actually listening to me because I was like, who's Ben Quad? And I, I pull up Spotify about to look them up and they're right there in my recommended section. And like the first thing when I open up Spotify, I'm like, all right, it was meant to be. Let's throw on this record. And I'm like, this is fantastic. What a stacked lineup. I need to be there for each and every single band at this show. And uh, yeah, Ben Quad, definitely one of the better better new bands that are kind of on the come up right now, which is, it's really exciting to see so many of these great bands kind of going on tour. And so many of these tours now are just so stacked. I don't remember bills being so stacked now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and like, this is one of those things that I do wish that like, cause you're into this newer music and stuff. So you're like, you know, when, um, when you see like a cool bill, like you're doing arm's length tonight, you know, and with, um, one step closer, um, which is like arm's length is the small band on like the very first band opening yeah, it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm stoked to see arm's length. Tonight. Right. And it was, um, you said it was knuckle puck and who's knuckle puck band? and real friends and real friends. Yeah. Which like, see, those bands are still taking out those smaller bands on tour and giving them that platform. I do wish that the, and Wonder Years is actually a really good band about that too. I just They're saw them with, that with Sweet Pill and um, and Anxious. And Anxious. Yeah, that was so an awesome good. show. Awesome show. Um, but I do wish that more bands would kind of like. I do wish those elder emo bands would put more effort into taking these younger bands on tour with them and giving them an opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's just so many bands that are killing it right now and doing that kind of helps grow that scene uh, and for like the younger people too, right? And then also think about it. If you're an elder emo band and you're catering towards the millennials and you bring in a younger band, you bring in the Gen Z and maybe – because I'll tell you what. I worked with with one Gen Z um, coworker who we immediately hit it off because – we started talking about Hot Mulligan. Like we were, I was like talking yeah. about records, right? And and 
was like, oh, yeah, I'm like, I got to stop spending so much money on records. Like, I'm going poor off of this. I'm like, I have one more pre-order that I've been waiting a while on. And then after that, it's that's it. She's like, oh, what what band are you pre-ordering? I'm like, Hot Mulligan. And she's like, shut up. I've never met anybody else that likes them. Like, they're my favorite band. <laughs> awesome. So we immediately became became friends from that. But then Hot Mulligan covered a Taking Back Sunday song. And she was like... Oh, I thought that this was Hot Mulligan song. She didn't know that it was a Taking Back <laughs> Sunday awesome. cover because she didn't know who Taking Back Sunday was. Yeah. I'm like, oh, little one, I have so much to teach you. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, there's so many of those, like, there's so many of the Gen Zs that don't know about a lot of the older music and a lot of millennials that don't know about the newer music. They start touring and all of a sudden you're growing the scene from the older and newer bands. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think a big overarching, like, side quest that I've had for all of my content has been trying to like connect these two audiences of, of like elder emo and like newer fifth, fourth and fifth wave emo and like connect those two audiences. And that's why I would do like, here's like, you know, five new bands that elder emos need to hear. And, and like, here, here's the bands that I think are going to be big and next year, which I'll, I'll probably do a couple of those coming up because I've had some people ask for them. Yeah, I definitely want to start doing more of that content as well. As well, I did uh, one recently with Arm's Length because yeah, I really, yeah, really I like them. And I just want to start doing, even if it's just once a week, of sort of tying that in because I feel like there's a lot of my audience that where I've heard that sentiment of like, new music just isn't as good as it was back in the day. And it's like, no, 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 that's a boomer take. We yes. need to understand that there is, are so many amazing bands killing it right now that if you were on MySpace back in the day, uh, you'd be listening to these bands now. Like if MySpace was still around, kids in high school on MySpace would have these bands on their profile. And uh, there are so many bands that we should be checking out. So I definitely want to do more to sort of spread some some love to some of the newer bands, even if they're bigger label bands, like a band like Hot Mulligan. There's a lot of millennials that don't know who Hot Mulligan is yeah yeah which which kind of seems it's crazy, crazy at to this me, point yeah. because they're so big but uh you know a lot of people i'm like who's hot mulligan or like i'll say like right. oh I, I love hot mulligan they're killing it right now they're they're one of the the biggest and best right now and who's that right because yeah, they're just say you know they have they have like the belt right now for mm-hmm. like the younger scene for sure um yeah yeah there's there's like the arm's length, for instance, to me, they, they, they always kind of seem like the equivalent, like the 2023 equivalent of like the early November back mm-hmm. in the day. I don't know why, like that band just kind of like feels like the early November to me. And, um, there's this other band you should check out called Palomino and they sound a lot like the used. Um, okay. so there are like, there are like bands out there that are, that are like, they're doing an authentic version that will appeal to like elder emos where it's not like um another one is flyover states who literally sounds like the best scene band from like whatever your scene was in 2004 but like today which is it's like and it doesn't sound like i it doesn't sound like they're faking it either it's like real music like they were just making something and that's how it ended up sounding instead of like Instead of it being like, what well, we need to do it so it sounds like Norma Jean in 2002, yeah. you know? Um, we're going to get uh, towards the end here. Normally, I yeah. actually end uh, 
each podcast by asking my guests their favorite up and coming band right now, just to also spread that love of those newer bands. <laughs> yeah. I feel like we've talked about so many of them already. Yeah. If you want to give me one band that's your absolute favorite right now, um, if I, you can, <laughs> can I just can I just like run down a bunch real quick? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, yeah, all right, all right. So first off, listen to Astro Planes. We're <laughs> of course we're pretty dope. <laughs> um, I think we'll appeal to elder emos and younger people. We're we're kind of trying to do a nice balance of like all these things that we've talked about, right? Um, if you like say anything and Joyce Manor, you'll probably like us. Um, definitely check out that man. I said Palomino. It's P L P A L A M I N O. Uh, they sound like they use their dope. Check out Carpool. They sound like Pup um, and Prince Daddy and the Hyena Crossed. Uh, so super high energy. Check out Star Funeral, which is a really cool shoegaze-ish emo band. Who's um, uh, If you're into Title Fight, definitely like their more shoegazy stuff. I think you'd dig um, Nikki. And uh, there's a couple. Definitely Flyover States. That's a great band. And I feel like there's oh equipment. Everybody should check out equipment. They put out a great record. It's kind. It's very like a more pop punk death cab for cutie. Awesome. Yeah, I'll have a, I'll have a whole list of them in the description. Yeah. All, all of your yeah, recommendations. Sure. That'll be great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, to dude, chat I with me today. Appreciate you having me on. It was actually really cool getting to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. It was great getting to know you finally after seeing you on my phone yeah. for over a year. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Our Space with Matt Batiste. If you enjoyed yourself, please support the show by subscribing and leaving a review.